to look back at the nativity. Next Sunday morning, it'll be our nativity service, which is always fantastic fun and, uh, and, and really great to see the children leading us in, in that way and telling the story. The story of the most amazing event, event in human history. And all over the place you'll see nativity scenes, uh, maybe like that one. That was one I liked. That was an unusual one. <laughs> Never seen one done with vacuum cleaners before. Isn't that very good? This was Get in the Picture. Uh, this is my friend Neil, and uh, he's uh, pointing toward the star in wonder and amazement. That's a little bit of product placement. I didn't realize at the time what was going on, but um, isn't that lovely? Oh, and that's it. Nan comes to our coffee and chat, and very well-known figure in the town. Not so wise men. <laughs> they were on their behavior there. Some of the pictures later on, if you go onto the website, they were not. Isn't that, that's lovely, a lovely picture. Is that, that's it. There's plenty more. If you want to actually see the pictures, even though you didn't um, have your picture taken, it's uh, getinthepicture.org.uk. There's some fantastic pictures. And we're actually going to have it available uh, next Sunday morning and Sunday evening as well. So if you want to prepare your Christmas cards for next year, now's your chance. The nativity. And uh, the sad thing about the nativity is that Lots of people in our society, our nation, don't actually know what it means anymore. They may have a vague idea of what it means, but they're not really familiar with the story. The other sad thing is, sometimes, we who are Christians, who follow Jesus, we become over-familiar with the story. And uh, we have it set like those pictures that we had first up in our minds. That's the nativity going to read Luke's account of the birth of Jesus. So Luke chapter 2, uh, so if you want to follow it in your Bibles, Luke chapter 2, we're reading verses 1 to 20 of Luke chapter 2, the birth of Jesus. And I'm reading it from the uh, NIV, the new, new NIV. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. Now, some people wonder whether it was before Quirinius was governor of Syria, but we're not quite sure of the dates. But it was around that time. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son, she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. 
An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your words. We thank you for the story of your birth, Lord Jesus. We thank you for the nativity and we pray, Lord, that we might be once again struck with the wonder of it all. Lord, will you come now by your spirit as we've read that reading and just convict us once again of the wonder of it all. That you left your throne in heaven to become a frail vulnerable baby and you came for us thank you Lord Jesus over this Christmas time we pray that we would be once again in awe and wonder at your amazing love for us in Jesus name Amen the nativity you have that picture in your mind, the nativity. It's all crowded around the stable. All the characters are there in place. When Luke begins the story of the birth of Jesus, he begins not with Jesus, not with Mary, not with Joseph. He begins with Caesar Augustus. Caesar Augustus was the adopted son of Julius Caesar. He was the emperor of Rome, of the whole Roman Empire. He was self-declared, listen to the titles he gave himself, Lord, Son of God, Saviour, King. Those were the titles the emperor gave to himself. And it was he who ordered a census of the entire Roman world. Why did he order a census? Well, in his eyes, it was to tighten his grip on power. 
It gave him the ability to raise more taxes. It gave him the idea of how many young men of fighting age there were in his empire. And the organizing principle behind it was that every man must return to the city from which his family came from in order to be registered. So Joseph, in the line of David, goes to Bethlehem. If we were doing it today, I would have to go up to Grimsby, which I do often, to register. Joseph belonged to the house in the line of David, King David. Isn't it amazing? This is the first thing that really amazes me about this story, that in doing so, Caesar Augustus arranges that Jesus is born in Bethlehem. The prophecy 600 years before Jesus was born, it was that he would be born in Bethlehem. Micah prophesied that it would be Bethlehem, that the Messiah would come, a ruler from ancient times. Who arranged it? Caesar Augustus? No. Isn't it amazing how God works in human history? God is the one who is in charge here. God is sovereign in this. And he uses even the Roman emperor to achieve his will. He arranged so that Jesus, the son of Mary, the son of David, the son of man, the son of God, God the son, Lord of lords, king of kings, savior of the world, would be born in Bethlehem as it was foretold. And within a generation, Jesus would be worshipped as God in Rome. Remember the titles the Roman emperor gave himself? Within a generation, Jesus would be worshipped as God, the God in Rome. Amazing. God working so much detail out. Now Jesus would never stand before the Roman emperor. But he would stand before one of his representatives and Luke will record their meeting. Jesus would stand before a guy named Pontius Pilate, one of the ambassadors of the Roman emperor. And he would be condemned to death by the authority of Rome. And again, overarching it all is the sovereignty of of God, because Jesus says, you would not have that power unless it had been given you from on high. You have no power unless it's been given you from on high. The wonder of it all. And within three centuries, the Roman emperor himself would bow his knee and confess that he is a believer in Jesus, Constantine. So Joseph and Mary make their way to Bethlehem. Notice Luke doesn't have the donkey. You can have the donkey. It's fine to have the donkey. We love the donkey. He's not mentioned, actually, in Luke's account. And they make their way to Bethlehem. Notice Mary doesn't have to go. It's only Joseph who has to register. Mary does not have to go. Legally, she's not required to go. But she goes. She's expecting a child. 
She's pledged to be married to Joseph. Maybe she's leaving behind the scandal in Nazareth because there would have been a scandal. An unmarried young girl, pregnant. The tongues would have been wagging. She may have even been threatened with stoning because that was the penalty for adultery. So she goes with Joseph. She's loyal to Joseph, who had been loyal to her. And it's interesting, verse 6, it says, while they were there. I mean, we always imagine the moment they got there, panic struck, they find the place that she gives birth. Luke doesn't say that. He says, while they were there. The time came for the baby to be born. She wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger. Luke records three times in that passage we read the manger. The manger is really important. Really important. The manger, if you don't know what a manger is, it's a feeding trough. And again, in, in our language, we, lots of people wouldn't know what a manger is. What's a manger? It's a feeding trough for animals. She wrapped the baby Jesus in cloths and laid him in a manger, an animal feeding trough, because there was no room available. Now there's talk about whether it was a, an inn. The word that Luke uses isn't for an inn. It's used of a house. And uh, houses in those days would have had maybe a guest room. Joseph had relatives in Bethlehem. It would have been scandalous if one of his relatives would have not found some room somewhere for Joseph. But there was no guest room available. Maybe it was full. So they end up, Mary has the baby among the animals on a lower part of the house where the animals were brought in for the night. And there she gives birth. This is the sign, the manger. It's a sign for the shepherds. And it's key to this story. And then Luke sort of opens up the picture and he says there were shepherds out in the fields. And they would have been either nomadic, maybe migrant workers, certainly seen as not respectable, a bit, well, you don't really want to spend time with them. They were living out in the open. They were ordinary people. It's one of the best loved scenes in the nativity. I love it. It keeps sails in tea towels going and, and tinsel and everything because the angels and the shepherds are in the story here. They're definitely in the story. And an angel appears to the shepherds. And the glory of the Lord shines around them. And they were overjoyed. No, they were terrified. terrified. Get you into the panto season. <laughs> they were absolutely terrified. Every time, you know this, every time people meet an angel, they are terrified. You think, angel? They're lovely, aren't they? No, they're scary. 
They're trained at angel school. First thing they're trained to do is, don't be afraid. <laughs> Why should we say that? You haven't seen yourself. Don't be afraid. <laughs> Verse 10, don't be afraid. The angel says, I bring you good news for all the people. Good news for all the people. Today, in the town of David, Bethlehem, a Savior has been born. He is the Messiah, long expected. He is the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and laying in a manger. That's the testimony of the angel. Laying in a manger, the Savior of the world, the Messiah, the Lord. We're not told the name of the angel, which is a shame. I think it's Gabriel, but that's only my guess. Okay. Angels are heavenly beings. They're messengers of God. They belong to God's heavenly court and service. They devote themselves to doing God's will. Their mission in heaven is to praise and to engage in spiritual warfare. They stand in the presence of God, but they also run missions on earth. And they will accompany Jesus when he returns. With all those who have gone before in faith in Christ, with the angels, they're all going to come back with Jesus. Jesus is coming back to this earth soon. Sooner than yesterday. He's coming back. We're only given two names of angels. There's Gabriel and there's Michael. Notice the end of their names, the L. They belong to God. They represent God. Michael seems to be the one who is the commander of angel armies. He, he engages, if you follow his name through the scriptures, engages in, in warfare. And then there's Gabriel. Gabriel seems to be the messenger. He's already featured in Luke's story twice. If you read back in chapter 1, how he appeared to Zechariah. Zechariah was married to Elizabeth. Zechariah was the father of John the Baptist. They hadn't been able to conceive, have a child. Zechariah was a priest. And it was his turn to go into the temple. And there the angel Gabriel met with him and said, you're going to have a child and you're to give him the name John. And Zechariah was terrified, as you do. But he questioned, and I love it when Gabriel says, I am Gabriel. And I imagine him just, you know, I don't know if he's got big wings or not, but you know, just, I am Gabriel and I stand in the presence of God and you will not be able to speak now until this has occurred, Zechariah. And Zechariah said, <laughs> you knew that was coming, didn't you? And then he appears to Mary. And he says to Mary, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you and he explains what has happened with her cousin Elizabeth and he says to Mary you will conceive and give birth to a son and he will be called Jesus Gabriel tells Mary 
And Mary amazingly receives the message. Who am I, she says. Who am I? I'm, I'm a virgin. I'd, who am I? But the Lord's will be done. We also hear of an angel who appeared to Joseph just to confirm to Joseph it's okay to take Mary because the baby conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. I love the activities of the angels that are going on in this whole narrative. The angel, whether it was Gabriel or another, appears to the shepherds. Today, in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah. He's the Lord. But this is good news for everyone. And as he declares that in verse 13, suddenly a great company of the angel choir appear. Solid ground. (laughs) Again, this is just mind-blowing. The angels can't keep quiet. The hosts of heaven just have to get in the act. Something amazing is happening. Something really big is happening. They have worshipped Jesus from the beginning, from since they were created. They have worshipped Jesus on the throne of heaven. They have surrounded him with worship. They have always worshipped him. And now they come and worship because him, the darling of heaven, God himself, is being born that night. Tinier than a little baby there. Amazing miracle. The theologians call it the incarnation. God himself becomes a baby for us. They can't keep quiet. And the church should never keep quiet. The hallmark of any followers of Jesus has to be worship. It has to be worship. Because we are in wonder of it all. And we are heavenly beings too. We are heavenly beings. Jesus says that I am seated in heaven with him because I am his child. Worship is our business. God is doing something really, really big. It looks small. It looks small, but it's really, really big. God himself placed in a feeding trough. But with him comes good news. The Savior, the Messiah, the Lord. No counterfeit one. No upstart king from Rome. God himself has come. So the shepherds say in verse 15, let's go, let's go see. I mean, who wouldn't? Let's go see. And they found it just as they had been told. And they spread the word concerning the child. This is the second hallmark of those of us who follow Jesus. We spread the word concerning the child. He's the Savior. He's the Messiah. He's the Lord. And all who heard the news were amazed. It says, but Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. Do you know how significant this was for Mary? Imagine for a moment, since she'd met Gabriel, since the announcement that she would give birth 
to Jesus. Think of the many times she thought she'd got it wrong. She hadn't, she hadn't given, been given clear instructions, the do's and the don'ts of what to do with carrying the Messiah. Should she accompany Joseph to Bethlehem? Should she not? And giving birth in a, in a place where there was animals and putting the, the God child in a feeding trough. I mean, she must have thought she'd made a really big mistake. I mean, that's not the place for him, really. Doesn't seem right. But now, confirmation comes from heaven that she had done the right thing, that she is in the right place, and that all is well. It's reassurance. God is in control. The manger is part of the plan. The feeding trough is part of the plan. The angel told the shepherds, you'll find the baby wrapped in cloths, laying in a feeding trough. That's the sign. He's the Messiah. He's the Savior. He's the Lord. And what reassurance for Mary in that moment as the shepherds come and tell her all that they've heard. What reassurance for her. And she ponders them in her heart. And as the shepherds leave, having received this amazing news, they leave rejoicing, wonder and praise of the truth of it all. And their sense of amazement should be matched by our own. Just the wonder of it all. We can get over familiar with the story. Oh yeah, we know how it goes. The wonder of it all. We should never get over it. The shepherd's response involved praise and obedience. Praise and obedience. That's our response to praise and obedience. And one day with angels and with all believers, Jesus will come again a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. That's us. That's you and me if we've believed in Jesus. Maybe this morning you've never made that step of commitment. Maybe today's the day. Do you know what? A saviour has been born for you. He's Christ the Lord. It's good news for everyone who will believe. He is the hinge of history. And whether people have forgotten the reason for Christmas, billions and billions and billions of people will stop in the next few weeks. And they will have parties and they'll have celebrations and they'll buy gifts and they'll send cards. And the reason for it all... Saviour was born in Bethlehem. And we know the story. And we can share the story with anyone who will listen. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for the nativity story. Thank you for the wonder of it all. And I pray that by your spirit you would come now. 
come and fill this place now. If you're here this morning and you've known about Jesus, you're familiar with the story, but you've never owned the story and said, that's my story. That story was for me. Maybe today's the day then you ask this Jesus, who's the king of heaven, who came as a baby, who died on the cross, rose from the dead, ascended and is returning. Maybe ask him into your life. Forgive your sins. Receive him today. Or if we've been followers for some time, we might ask for a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit that we might be once again struck with the wonder of it all. And we come to God in our need because we come to praise and worship, but we also come carrying things. And I just pray at this moment, Holy Spirit, that you would come and touch our lives. Thank you for that healing touch that was experienced this week in Carl. I pray if there's anyone who needs that touch from you this morning, that you would just come. Holy Spirit, would you come? Just lift to the Lord the concerns of your heart. Lord who came for you. Holy Spirit, come. Lord, we worship you. What else would we do in response to the news that we have heard but worship you and give you praise? In Jesus' name, amen.